All right. All right. Yeah. All right. So we are recording live. Welcome to the Clickable Impact Podcast, where we talk about all things fun, business, yada, yada. Um, what's up, girl? I have what's happening? Yeah. Krista here. I've known her for years. She is a killer businesswoman and um she uh was a part of my investor group before we sold it and she has very very interesting experiences from a lot of different industries real estate hospitality you know money move type of industry so you know we definitely want to hear all your fun tricks of the trade but yeah so yeah. What's up, girl <laughs> yeah thanks for having me good to see you haven't seen you in forever so Good to see you're doing well, even though we're all stuck quarantined. We can still do fun right. stuff like this. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. So I, I start every uh, podcast out if it's your first time, which obviously it is. Um, you know, just talk a little bit about you and, and you know, where you come from, your background, your, your personal background, your business background, any fun facts. Sure. For the audience, you know, that I might not know or I may know. <laughs> yeah. So, so my name's Krista. It's Krista Goodrich. And I also live in Florida. Um, I'm in Daytona, as you know. And I love the beach, love the sun, love everything outdoors, which is why um, I created a life where I could live in Florida and was able to move here a few years ago because I knew that I always wanted to be at the beach. Um, in my background, I actually, I, I went to college and I got a double majored in French and economics. Um, so I do speak pretty proficient French over the years. Some of it's gone away, but I can hold my own. In That's a so cool. I didn't yeah. Know. Yeah. I speak pretty fluently. Okay. I love, Tell us yeah. something cool in French. Qu'est-ce que tu veux que je dise? Je peux parler toute la journée en français, mais j'ai passé beaucoup de temps sans parler français. Donc maintenant, c'est très difficile. Something difficult. I got the last. <laughs> I said. I basically I'm said. French. I'm French. My last name Castile is actually French. Yeah, yeah it is French. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. So I, I just love traveling, and I still to this day I do most days, not every day, but most days I do 30 minutes of a foreign language. Um, so it might be Italian, it might be Danish, it might be Japanese. What? I tried Vietnamese, but only because I wanted to know what they were saying about me at the nail salon. Uh, <laughs> but it was way too hard so I didn't get very far with my Vietnamese um, so anyway so got out of school ended up working in finance uh, my first job out of school was for a mutual fund company cool. um, I was just a marketing associate to start off I got promoted pretty quickly and ended up as a national accounts manager so I was where was this uh, this was an enterprise capital management in Atlanta okay. In Atlanta. And they eventually bought, yeah, they got bought out by AXA Capital and then Goldman Sachs. Where are you uh, from originally? Florida, from Winter Park. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we moved when I was six. We moved to Georgia because my dad worked for Bell South. Okay. And they're based in Atlanta. And I always wanted to get back to Florida. So I worked yeah. my ass off so that I could one day. Um, okay. And I wanted to get back here and be able to travel as much as possible to see my family if I needed to. Right. So. Anyway, so I did, did the mutual fund thing, was flying around the country, training advisors and brokerage houses, so the wire houses. It was Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, Smith Barney, all these before they all consolidated, um, training them on various mutual fund platforms and 529 plans. So I worked for a firm that got the contract for one of the first 529 plans in the United States. And so we got heavily trained on that. So then I was training other financial advisors on that, which was pretty fun. 
Um, cause I was like 23 and these guys were like 60 and I'm telling them how to invest. Killing so it. Yeah. Um, in that job, some highlights, I ended up working with, um, an advisor out of Phoenix, Arizona, and he was the main advisor on the 401k plan for the national basketball association. So I became, um, like a trainer on their 401k plan, explaining to the basketball players how to take the money and use it and not blow it all in two years. Cause there was some cool. tendency to do that. Yeah. So did that, um, eventually left that job for personal reasons. It wasn't anything business related. It wasn't company related, but I had some personal stuff going on and started one of my many businesses that I've started since then started my entrepreneurial start journey. Many, right? Many. It's yeah. An yeah. You're going to do it, do it big. Right. So when I started my first business, I read, um, Richard Branson's losing my virginity book. Okay. I have not read that. Okay. So he's my favorite all time favorite entrepreneur. I freaking okay. love him. I wish my all time favorite was a girl. I'm sorry to say it's not, it is Richard Branson. He's a badass. Um, that's but an interesting when, thought because I feel like the content I read and listen to too is from men too, like, you know, Joe Rogan and you know, yeah. we, we definitely need more women content producers. So we need women that are. aren't afraid to be themselves. Like Joe yeah. Rogan, if he talks about sex or shitting or any of the crazy things that he's going to talk about on his podcast, yeah. it's totally acceptable because I love Joe Rogan. I love Aubrey Marcus and all those people in that group. Like I love those podcasts. For yeah. a woman, if I started talking about sex on my podcast or how I had you know, took the biggest shit ever last week or whatever they talk. I mean, they talk about all kinds of stuff, you know, on those podcasts, girls, it's, you can do it. It's just much harder to pull off. You have to have a certain personality and, you know, you're going to offend some people and girls don't like to do that. So, so we tend to have quieter voices in a lot of areas, but anyway, so, um, started all these businesses, became a serial entrepreneur. I've owned or currently own everything from a trash hauling company, a, um, packaging and supply company, trucking companies, real estate, art studios, um, vacation rentals, a beer bike that holds 15 people and you pedal around and drink beer on it. Um, so nice. I have a bar in Daytona. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're opening a brewery. Um, as so soon as coronavirus is done, we should be moving forward and opening our brewery. So we'll be brewing beer. So I do a lot of things. I don't do any one thing that just puts me out of the stratosphere into wealth. It's for me, I'm a, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. That's how I've made my money. I'm not good enough at any one thing that I've found yet. I mean, if I was, it'd be a lot easier, right? But I'm not, I don't have talent like that. I'm not, I can't sing. I can't dance. I'm not the smartest person <laughs> in the world, you know? So I don't have a talent that gives me that advantage. I don't come from a family that gives me an advantage, you know? So, and I love my family very much, but I wasn't given extra resources that, so I had to find my own. I had to figure it out on my own. And so me and my husband are both completely self-made combined total inheritance of a thousand dollars in our lifetime. <laughs> um, and so when I, everything we have is self-made, we are by definition self-made millionaires. You're so, like the American dream, you know, you, you, it you is, or nightmare at times. a thousand dollars you know, essentially, and you yeah. built an empire, you know, and you're still young. It's just yeah, like well, younger, young, not young, but young enough. You're young. <laughs> <laughs> so I was watching something last night and the person was 62 and I thought, God, that's old. And then I thought, shit, I'm <laughs> only 20 years from that. 
And I remember 22, like it was way less than 20 years ago. So yeah, I'm a lot closer than I'd like to be. But anyway, so that's, that's what I've done at this point now. Um, what I eventually did was I wrote a book called The Boss Lady Investor, You Don't Need a Dick to Understand Money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to share with other women how I did it, how I built it, and that investing and understanding money is what enabled me to keep opening and starting these businesses and taking chances. Some of them failed. And yeah. my business failures didn't necessarily mean that I was done as an entrepreneur. It was a life lesson that I moved forward from. But by getting you know, the basics about money, I'm able to just create a life that's pretty awesome. So I wrote the book to help. Hey, I lost you there for a sec. I lost you on audio. No, I can't hear you. There you go. It might have been your wire. No, I can't hear you. Ah. So, anyway, so, so I wrote the book to try to explain in very simple terms the basics about money to become wealth, wealthy. And that's, you know, people here investing and they automatically think the stock market. Well, as you and I know from what we've done together, investing does not necessarily have to take place and most of the time doesn't take place in the stock market. You can invest in lots of different things, whether it's angel investing, real estate investing. You can buy gold bars if you want. You can invest in art if you want. You can invest in Yourself. renovating properties. Yeah, whatever. Like there's all <laughs> kinds of investing. So just having the basic money understanding gets you the, you know, the basics that you need to start investing in whatever you want to invest in. I think women shy away from investing because they think stocks. And that to most women is pretty boring. So anyway, so I wrote a book about it. Now I do a lot of speaking about investing and I just have a mission to empower and educate women about easy ways and realistic ways to become wealthy. I love that. You know what? I, I never really thought about it that a lot of people think investing is stocks because it just never was that (laughs) community that I was in, you know, but it makes sense. A lot of people do think of stocks and bonds and, there's so many different things to do. And especially in America, even now, like there's still so much opportunity. Everybody's at their home. Everybody's looking for new things to buy every day. It doesn't matter, you know, where, what you do or what your current business is. You always just have to find opportunity. You know, what's happened right now with businesses that aren't doing well, they just have to find the new opportunity. Where did the market shift? Right. But it's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, investing, I guess you're right. With, with people think of stocks or people think of uh, Shark Tank, you know, yeah. <laughs> things like that. And really, it's not, you know, I remember being at, you know, you know, hosting our Nexus events and things like that. You know, a lot of investors there were very, like, much so mentors and always looking to, like, help the companies move through. And it wasn't just about giving you a hard sell into equity and this is what we're going to do no it's like step by step let's let's get you some mentorship then maybe some capital if it's at the right certain point in time you know yep yeah yeah and again it's just that word investing even when i tell people the name of my book they're like oh you wrote a book about stocks and i'm like no it's not like stocks are not the end all be all that's just what's on the news that's it but there's so much more out there like and you introduced me to the whole new world of angel investing. And that's such a different product than a stock investment or a real estate investment, you know? Yeah. 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 
So, so in, in knowing what you know about real estate, how has it changed? How has this new market shift changed the real estate, commercial, residential, game, multifamily, single family, like whatever you've seen, how has it changed? So at this moment, nothing's happened yet. Um, okay. I'm assuming we're going to see something happen and it's going to be, I would imagine, pretty drastic. Um, right now, everyone's on a delay. So this, the coronavirus happened. We all got stopped a month ago, right? So we're not even at a full month for most of the country as to when we had to stop. Mm -hmm. So that means we haven't made through, through one mortgage cycle yet, right? So if we haven't made it through a mortgage cycle, we haven't figured out who's going to stop paying. We have mm -hmm. to get through at least another 30 days to see who missed last month's mortgage payment being April. And then once that process starts from all the people losing their job, a lot of those people are getting three, four, and six month deferral options. Um, or forbearance options on their mortgages. A lot of people renting are getting their rent um, delayed or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Foreclosures have a moratorium. So any impact that we're going to see, there's just a big lag right now. I have, um, you know, I do, as you know, I do a lot of real estate investing. And so I have a lot of clients that do real estate investing too. And I've told all them, I'm not buying anything right now. I'm waiting two to three months. If the shoe doesn't drop, and the market doesn't change, cool. Then we all keep the equity we have in our current properties. If the market drops, it's a good buying opportunity for real estate investors or first-time home buyers or people that are getting divorced or people that are looking to retire and want to move to a smaller home. I mean, there's all kinds of people that benefit from the market, you know, con contracting a little bit, but, um, you know, people are going to freak out if that happens. We're going to see some of that um, again, like we saw in 2008. But what people have to remember with real estate is, if you're talking about your primary residence, unless you're moving in the next five years or two years, it really doesn't matter what happens in a few months because a year from now, two years from now, this landscape could be vastly different. It could be significantly better or we could have some other major life event happen. It could be significantly worse. So you can't worry too far out. You just have to know like, this is the house I live in. This is the payment I need to make and this is what I can afford. So yeah. outside of in you know, your home, that's where I guess the investment might be is if you were looking at buying a second home and you lost your job, probably now's not the time to do that, you know, or if you work for a grocery store and suddenly you're getting bonused out the wazoo because you've got crazy hours because there are people benefiting from this environment. Yeah. Maybe they want to buy a beach home that they didn't know they could afford two months ago, you know? So yeah. it's all, you know, we kind of have to let this one play out for a few months and see it's, you know, the stock market had all these days where it was so bad, so bad, so bad. And then I think this morning, I haven't looked at the stock market today, but I think today I saw a headline that it was um, up over 500 points on who knows what, whatever the reason was today. So all that, you know, when, when you see those swings, those same swings happen in real estate, it, unless it's something that you're, if you're buying and selling a house tomorrow, yeah, you might want to stay focused on it. But if you're not buying or selling a house tomorrow, I really wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. So with your other businesses too, how have you, how have you pivoted? You know, how are you looking at the market in, in 30 days from now? How has your, 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 your process, your business planning changed for 2020 for, for all the other pieces of the empire? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, I mean, some of them are, are just at a standstill. So my bar, if you yeah. have a bar in Florida, you cannot be open. Yeah. And there's, you know, people will say, well, you can, we have a package license, so we could sell out of our bar. Who in their right mind 
is going to bypass the grocery store to come buy a bottle of wine from me at a, you know, I mean, there's, it's just not yeah. going to happen. It's not realistic. So I, I'd love to get creative with it and find a way for it to happen, but I don't, I don't think it's real. My beer bike, the pub crawler, no one's doing that, you know? So there's some things that we're just having to suck it up. Yeah. Fortunately, I don't finance a lot. So I don't have a lot of payments. Mm-hmm. I do own the building where one, my bar and stuff is. So we still have the mortgage on that. Yeah. And we've already reached out to our banker and just said, Hey, let's go into forbearance for four months, see where it's at right now. We have, I mean, so we just came off bike weekend Daytona. So we, that's our biggest event. So we have oh lots and lots of money. That's yeah. Uh, we have lots of money left over from that. Oh yeah. So we could pay it this month, but maybe in four months, if the bar is still not open, then we might start to get worried about making yeah. the mortgage payment. Right. So we just said, let's forbear until we see where this is going. And then we can make again, more decisions. If this all ends in a month, then it's a little hiccup on the screen for our businesses. We carry on as usual. If it's a year that this is going to be going on, yeah, you know, that's that's going to be a lot different. Well, I was thinking you could turn the bike into like an alcohol delivery machine. If it if it went faster than seven miles an hour, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty slow. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, mm-hmm. that was one thing I was thinking. And about. I don't want to pedal that far around town bringing oh, people yeah. beer. <laughs> I love it. Well, talk yeah. to me a little bit about like for your businesses, like what do you do to market them, you know, in a normal market, you know, if they were going full swing, you know, and I yes. know you have the the paint business too and and so we want to hear more about that yeah so yeah i have one of the paint and sip franchises i started it and franchised it out across the eastern seaboard and that's obviously closed too because people aren't gathering in groups again very low overhead so and that's something that i started most of my businesses in recessionary or dot-com bubble burst environments Mm -hmm. and so i started off very um aware of these, of these events that happen and how if you're holding, you know, $50,000 line of credit and you have one business and suddenly that business shuts down, you're, you're shit out of luck. Like you have no other income coming in, you owe money. So I've seen all that happen before. So I just have multiple income streams coming in. So where I might be, you know, not have the masterpiece mixer studios open. I have my book, which is still bringing in monthly royalty, you know, so there's everything offsets each other. In a regular environment, um, we are heavy, heavy, heavy in everything I do on social media. And for my demographics, I'm mid-40s, so we're heavy on Facebook. I'm learning Instagram. I wish if I could give anyone advice, find a way, whether it's yourself or someone else, to get really good at all the cool social media stuff Mm -hmm. and get really good at graphic design or find a really good graphic designer. Because when it comes to things that I've struggled with in all of my businesses, it's um, ranking of my website, it's graphic design. Like I, because they're not super high producing businesses, we don't pay super high prices for great ads. Well that, you know, I would like to have better graphics. Um, And then social media, I've always felt like the younger generation gets it better than I do. And so I've always felt a little behind the curve on that. And I wish I knew how to better understand it and market it because I think I could do more. Yeah. but I do the best I can with the tools I have. I don't beat myself up over it. That's just something in my mind. I'm always thinking, man, I really wish I knew like someone that was really kick-ass at social media for all my businesses, but um, 
Yeah. So I look at the pricing and I'm like, I don't know that it makes sense. Anyway, point. <laughs> yeah. That that would be things that I would focus on. There, it is inexpensive to get started on those things, even if you don't know what you're doing. It's still a lot more affordable than buying print ads, you know. So I would recommend going heavy on social media with anything that any new entrepreneurs out there doing. That's kind of what we still focus on. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, you know, for a lot of the real estate ads that we do, we're getting, you know, buyer and seller leads on Facebook for like $4 a pop, you know, for a very specific property. So, you know, it's, it's, it's worth your while if, if you can accumulate those leads and then you'll have them forever, you know, or obviously if you can convert it off of a specific property, if somebody was interested, you know, um, but I think I agree with you on the, the very like niche focus that social media has. You can see exactly how many people went to your website and see exactly how many people bought it from like a Facebook ad or Google or, you know, even LinkedIn and Snapchat. They're, they're newer ad platforms, but they still have some aggregate um, data to where we can see, okay, what are, what are the sales results? You know, the best tracking platform or the best platform that tracks um, would be Facebook. They've been around the longest. Also Google, you know, they've been around the longest. They have some of the biggest data sets, like one out of four people in the entire world has a Facebook, right? Right, right. So, you know, for somebody who's looking for like, you know, people to walk in their door, not in this normal environment or this crazy environment, but in a normal environment, you have a brick and mortar store. You're looking for people to walk into your uh, location, there's actually ways on Facebook to track people as they hold their phones and walk into the location and see if they came in from an ad. There's ways, you know, for people, if they have an e-commerce store, there's ways to track, initiate checkout, um, add to carts, exactly how, m- how much dollars per add to cart or per purchase that you can see, or how many people got like a coupon that, from the ad. So it's, and, and you get that data like within 24 hours, we'll know, you know, yeah. or even sooner than that. And it's way different than investing in print or a billboard. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, right? But you need an omni-channel presence. You need stuff that gets you the real sales and stuff that gets you awareness. And even though you can track everything, you always have to take it with a grain of salt too, because just because somebody saw your Facebook ad and then, you know, forgot about it and Googled it doesn't mean that Facebook is, is exactly going to track it. So you kind of have to look at your business overall. What's the money I spent that day? And did I make a profit at the end of the day with how much I spent on ads and everything, right? Are you just at that dollar amount profit? Because, um, it's crazy when you have an omni channel, you know, you can't track everything, you know? So, so, so there's that. So that's one of the things that we kind of coach clients on at clickable, which is, you know, we can track a lot of things, but you got to look at it over the aggregate because if you're doing ads, um, email marketing, text message marketing, you have influencers, you know, everywhere we can track just about everything, but at the same time, it's just going to like, quintuple over time anyways with the brand people are going to remember you um things like that but i would also agree with what you said before about graphic design that's a big one content is too 
in 2020, you know, more and more people are getting better. You know, just like you're saying, Krista, all those young people are getting older. We're getting better at learning online everything <laughs> and getting better at business, right? So what does that mean? That means that more and more people are getting better at marketing. What does that mean for businesses? It means they need to get better at being different. How do you get better at being different and showing your competitive advantage? Content, your messaging, you know, but content is what the, the business owner can bring that's super valuable, right? And content is expensive. It's a bitch. Nobody likes to pay for it. Nobody likes to do it because you can't tell how many more sales you've gotten. But what I can tell you is, is that eventually once you run an ad with certain content, it does eventually become stale. So you always have to be producing content no matter what. Like everybody knows the Geico commercial or the Allstate guy or whatever. You know, after, after a certain amount of time, you're like, I don't want to watch that ad anymore. Same thing that works on social media. After a few months, we launched one video. It may bring in 300K in revenue. But at, at, up to a certain point, numbers start dropping off. And there's no other way to tell what's going on other than the ad just becomes stale or the content just becomes stale. We gotta figure out something new, something fresh, something clean that we can just tell new people, right? So for example, one of our um, products is called Flight Path Golf. It's literally golf tees, you know, the tee that you stick in the ground. <laughs> Some people always ask, like, golf t-shirts? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, you know, we've been working on that project for about six months. People are still buying it. This past month, we just hit 64K. Um, so we're trying to hit six figures this month. We'll see. The, the virus kind of sort of has affected it, but people are still playing golf. So... But um, we, we used this one ad and it was a 3D um, version of the T spinning. And it was one of our best ads that went viral. We got thousands of dollars of sales from it. But after a certain point, it just dropped off, you know? So now we're, we're constantly re-invoking content. We barely marketed to women yet. So I'm like, guys, we gotta get some women golfer content. There's, there's a bunch of things that we could do. So it's almost about now that we've been able to create the path of sales for this product. Now it's all about how do we get more out there instead of getting, um, instead of getting horizontally integrated, how do we vertically integrate to mm -hmm. every single customer archetype that's out there that would want this product. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's it. in like every business, like, okay, good. We got a single sale, but how do we make them our actual client? Like someone that is subscribing to our business. And yeah, I mean, what I spent all of today doing was, um, free online courses. It's all course content creation for my website. I don't get paid for any of it. There's no dollar return on it. There's no trackable of, oh, these people must love my course content and that's why they're buying the book. I'll get some of that. Some of that I'll be able to see that, but not all of it, you know, but I have to stay relevant. What's the other option? I just write a book and cross my fingers and be like, oh, oh, people always remember my book. Like that's not real, you know, and that's every business you had to like, even with masterpiece mixers, we always had new paintings coming out, but you had to stay ahead of the curve of coming up with new ideas like paint your pet or paint on wine glasses or paint on wood. And it seems silly. Yeah. But if someone loved us, if someone was coming to paint with us, but they painted five canvases, right. at some point, they're done painting canvases. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like, so, but if suddenly they can make a wooden door hanger that's personalized with their name for Halloween, mm. hmm, we might bring them back in as a customer. You know? So it is creating that, the, the brand that your customer sticks with the brand.
Yeah, definitely. I love it. I love it. So what are, what are your 2020 plans? What are you, what are you going to do for this year? That's a I was going to go to Italy, but now I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought Italy would be this summer, but nope, not going to happen this summer. <laughs> uh, so yeah, right now we're hanging out at home a lot, um, working out a lot, trying to get in shape since all I do besides work out is eat. <laughs> and <laughs> it all, it's all going to depend on the year. You know, if, if the yeah. real estate market starts declining, then I'm going to spend a lot of time buying investments is what I'll be doing. Right. If the market isn't heavily impacted, then I might look at selling some investments, honestly, because the market's done so well in real estate for so many years. Yeah. And so I'll focus on that um, speaking and the book. Second, I'm writing the second book now. So those two things really focusing on building that tribe of the boss lady investor group and um, you know, getting in front of as many women as I can. And, and like I said, helping them to start saving and investing. And it's some crazy amount of women don't have a retirement plan to speak of. Like they don't have $200 in a retirement plan there. I read some other statistic that like 60% or some crazy number. It's I don't quote me on it, but mm -hmm. some high percentage of Americans, if they needed to come up with $300 to get a, out of a situation like a broken down car, they couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So those are the people I'm trying to reach to say, listen, with a small amount of effort, you can make massive life changes and you can like my best friend and I from high school, I love her dearly, but we made very different life choices mm -hmm. and, um, she doesn't listen to podcasts. So I'm safe in saying all this, but <laughs> she, you know, it saving and investing and learning about money didn't interest her. And it interested me. It interests me a lot. She never wanted to talk about retirement plans, IRAs, nothing. And so here we are, same exact age. She is still literally renting a modular home, which nothing against modular homes. It's just that's the max that she can afford. Um, zero retirement savings, zero college savings for her kids. Like she, she has nothing but debt. And over the last 20 something years, whatever crap she's bought, that's probably not worth a lot. You know, right. I hate seeing that. I hate it. And yeah. so there's, I, I get that everyone's not going to change. I get that some people have no interest in furthering their lives. I say, I get it. I don't really understand that, but <laughs> I acknowledge that that's a real thing. Yes. <laughs> so I, I don't, it. I don't get it, but I see that it happens. Okay. So those people not going to help them, but there's some people that just don't have the tools or don't know what the next step is. Like when I started at the mutual fund company, I didn't know what a mutual fund was. And I had an economics degree from a four-year university, but I never learned what a mutual fund was. That's super important because it's in every retirement plan in the freaking country, you know? So just little things like that, that people just don't, they don't know how to become wealthy. They don't know how to make, and, and when I say wealthy, I don't mean, you don't have to be rich. You can be wealthy and not be rich. You know, maybe it's living in a tiny home and having time to go fishing or hike or lay on the beat, whatever it is, you know, you just to create a life that's, that's yours. That is the life that you want, not a life where every single day you're waking up and going to work somewhere that you may or may not want to go there. You know, you want right. to have a choice. Right. No, I love it. Yeah, I mean, that's what, yeah, I think that that could be said to so many different people too, in my life and in a lot of people's lives too. I think everybody, a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck and, um, I fortunately made that decision when I was in college that, you know, I've either, either way, you know, I had one, to, one, to, one or two, one of two things. I could have went the super corporate route and, 
and, you know, been a, been a major executive at Pepsi and just like went up the ranks because I was in the leadership development program during college. So that's supposed to fast track you, right? The other route was being an entrepreneur, having your own thing and working a shit ton. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I started my, my dance footwear business then, and I loved it so much. I felt myself like growing so much. I was like, Oh my God, if I've grown this much, imagine how I'll be, you know, years from now you know, and building the empire. It's a lot more fun. It's like an adventure. It's like a movie. It is. It is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I could have stayed the corporate route at the mutual fund company and been, and and it was fine. Like I, I didn't have at the time a major issue with the corporate lifestyle and like a lot of the rules so much, but it was a fun, it was still a fun job. You know, we had a lot of freedom and stuff, but it wasn't mine. And it was never going to be mine. And yours. That's a big thing. It's a big thing. It's your life. You did that and you created that thing. And it might, and what I've created, I might have made more money sticking in corporate America. I don't think so, as it turns out over the years, but initially, definitely, I would have made a lot more money staying in corporate. And I, for the record, for any budding entrepreneurs out there, I stayed in corporate America until I didn't have to. So I don't, there's some people that I know will just go get these huge loans or whatever and drop their job. I think that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if you do it and you succeed more power to you, but to me, that is insane. So for me, I kept my job while I did it. But, um, I think even if I'd made less than I would have staying in corporate, I still would be happier because I wake up when I feel like waking up, I work out when I feel like working out and it's been this way for 20 years, you know? And so when people talk about, driving to work and stuff. I just, I'm just so grateful that I don't have to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I walk to work. So our, our office at clickable is like a five minute walk downtown. Nice. (laughs) Really walk every morning. (laughs) That's when I do like my little Instagram stories or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, but it is a good life. It's definitely having your own thing is more stressful Mm -hmm. and you know you're held accountable everything that you do or don't do you see immediate results yep yep Yep. (laughs) but you know it's but it's also another good thing about that though is that like you don't have to be the number one you don't have to be the boss you could be the 10th person or the 20th Mm -hmm. person and still make a bunch of money just like you're saying like even if you go corporate or not even corporate like working at a startup and be the 10th person hired the 20th person hired you could still be very entrepreneurial you know, tons of opportunities out there if you're willing to look for, and if you're willing to work your ass off. So yes, if you're not willing to do the hard work, just find an easy job. And all those investing opportunities that you're talking about too, and it all takes a lot of hard work, you know, even investors. When we were, when we were doing investor, the investor group Nexus 24 seven, a lot of investors, you know, put it 10, 20 hours of look, just looking into a deal, you know, to, to be able to decide, I'm going to give you 50 K for this deal or 25 K or whatever it is. You know, it's a lot of work, even for people who still have money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It> never stops. <laughs> well, and even when I was talking, when we had the women's investor conference down in Miami and I was talking to a lot of the other girls there and I didn't know if it was my first angel investment group. And I didn't know if they were just so much more wealthy than me that you know, maybe they don't go into their stores and scrub the floors if they need to be scrubbed or whatnot. You know, I didn't know. So I got talking to a lot of them and the women I talked to are still exactly like I am. Like 
they run their businesses and if they walk into their business and the toilet needs to be cleaned, they're going to clean the toilet, you know, and it, it, cause we're, we just, most of us come from a background of really, really working hard to get where we want to go. And we don't, you know, you won't hear a lot of successful women saying that's not my job description, but like people say that. I hate job descriptions, by the way, but (laughs) people need them or whatnot. But anyway, so like, because if your job description says you do something and you need to sweep the floor that day because it's gross, just sweep the floor. Who cares if your job description says it? And that, you know, again, you won't hear successful people say that. There's there's a lake up in Georgia that one of my businesses um, runs off of. And the owner of it, um, his name's Virgil, and he's a multimillionaire. He used to own the Atlanta Hawks. So he's not struggling, right? If you ever, and he's got to be 90 something at this point. If you go to Lake Lanier and see a 90 year old man walking around with a little, um, the little trash scoopers that you sweep trash into, that's Virgil. He walks around to this island that he bought for $80 million. It's the resort and everything now. He's got all kinds of staff and everything. And if he's on property, he's walking around, he carries it in case he ever sees a piece of trash. He wants to get it off his property. Like, but that's what successful people do. Yep. Yep. I love it. So speaking of having, you know, your multiple businesses, how do you keep your head on straight? How do you stay focused? You know, are you, do you have like a CEO, like for every business or do you just like really counterbalance? Cause that's one of the things, like I have a lot of things going on too. Um, with the agency, we own a few brands, you know, and, and it's like, it's a lot, right? So how do you keep your head on straight? <laughs> so I don't have any CEOs. Um, because again, the nature of my businesses, they're not, they don't, they're not that size business. Masterpiece was at one point, um, but I was the CEO and it was my main business at the time. So um, I have really good managers. And again, depending on what business you're in, like my husband's company, if you want to be an executive in that company, you're going to be C-level. In mm-hmm. my style of companies, because they're more, more service-oriented style thing, it's more like you're going to be a manager. So we don't really have controllers and stuff like that. Um, there's no COOs for sure. That's, we all just do the operations. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so I've got really good managers, really good assistants, and they know their jobs. I make, I'm a really fun employer. And so I will definitely, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I don't make anyone work a certain hour shift. Like you come in, you get your job done and then you're done. And if you want to do more and then you can, but you don't have to. So, and, and there's no like recourse to if Susie did more and Billy didn't, I don't care. Like that's Susie wants to get further than Billy does. I'm not going to overthink right. it, you know? So uh, most of my staff stays with me for a really long time. I definitely constantly break the rule of mixing work and pleasure. I yeah. vacation with my staff. I hang out with them. It's the way of the world now. They're going to see my social media. I mean, I, all of it. And I guess I could be better at hiding it. And some people are better at like hiding their private life compared to their business life. And if that works for them, cool. But we each get to be our own person. And I'm the person that hangs out with my staff. I so agree with that. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely more like that too. I definitely, I don't like really hiding anything. It just feels weird to me. It doesn't feel natural, you know? So we actually took all of our full-time people last September to New York. Nice. So I rented a Airbnb on the Hudson, you know, we nice. did a little vision like, you know, thing. And we, we went to see the um, September 11th Memorial. That was crazy. Um, crazy, like overwhelming, you know, to be there with the huge fountains and stuff. 
Um, we saw the Statue of Liberty. Apparently, you need to wait for six months until you're approved to go see it. Right. <laughs> I didn't know that, but it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I, it's a, that's a big like opportunity builder for any, any type of person that owns a business or a leader, you know, to travel with those, that group of people and to do it for them, you know, cause they, a lot of our, our team members at Clickable, they work like 24 seven. They don't really have a set schedule either. Everybody can come and go in the office when it's open. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and, um, so I, they, they feel some type of way about that, you know, like really good, type of way and they're all like younger than me so uh, still millennials <laughs> but to give them like something instagrammable that they can share too is like they I see their eyes light up from that kind of stuff yeah and you can go into different offices and environments and see like this is somewhere where people like to work or these people hate coming to work today you know and so i tend to gravitate towards like even my insurance company that insures most of my properties they all hang out like we'll all go out for drinks together it's like that so I do business with people that are my friends as well so I think it's just like a lifestyle thing of this is my lifestyle of how I prefer there's my my father is very private like he would never he was an executive at Bell South like I told you and he would never have like co-mingled with his staff that would and it was different back then there wasn't social media there wasn't there was no open office like you were in cubes period you know so times have changed and you, you know, again, everyone's different. Everyone can run their business their own way. For some people, it works to have very private offices. And for me, I'm like, uh, oh, hope you like what you see because this is it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I love that. And I love that about you. And I, that makes people want to do business with you. You know, I have a very similar like transparent vibe and, you know, showing other people that you're human. That's the best way, in my opinion, to do business. Yeah, you know? I agree. Yeah. I agree. So, yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Sweet. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the podcast. What I usually do is close it out with what's your favorite, like, quote? It could be a motivational quote or just a fun one or whatever, but, and, or it could just be one that pops to your mind. Um, so I have two, um, and they're both like the little short stories. They're not really quotes, but um, the starfish story, if you okay. know that one. No. And then, no? No, oh, I don't know. Starfish story? Okay, hey, Starfish story is good. Daytona -y. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's totally not. Like, people in Daytona probably wouldn't care, but the other one is the wolf story. I'm going to have to pull up the wolf story. Oh, yeah, um, you have to. Yeah, but the Starfish story, I definitely have that one pretty memorized. So, Starfish story, for anyone that's listening, a little girl was on the beach, and a man saw the little girl standing on the beach, and he saw her. She was reaching down, picking up starfish, and throwing them back in the ocean. This beach happened to be covered in starfish, sand dollars, everything. It's covered in all kinds of shells and whatever. And so for all the miles that you could see, there's all these starfish going down the beach. And so the man walks up to the little girl and he says, young lady, what are you doing? And she said, throwing the starfish back into the sea so it can live. And he said, yeah, but if you look down this beach, I mean, there's starfish as far as I can see, you know, it's going to take you forever. It's not going to make a big difference. And she picked up the starfish and she threw it in the ocean. She said, made a difference to that one. What? That's awesome. That's my little starfish story. So All right, I'll pull, I'll pull up the wolf story. Hold on. <laughs> and I have, it's good too, but. I love it. I love the little parables. Those are great. I know. All right. So Tale of two wolves. Here we go. And hold on. I'm pulling it up slowly. 
Yeah, I had never heard of the starfish story before. That's really cute, though. I'm definitely going to steal that. I love the starfish story. So, um, all right. Side note, I am a uh, vegetarian, so that's probably why I know that story forever. Okay, the tale of two wolves. One evening, an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside of people. He said, my son, the battle is between the two wolves inside of us all. One is evil. It is anger, envy, jealousy, doubt, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, forgiveness, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, well, granddad, which wolf wins? And the old Cherokee replied, the one you feed. Wow. That's my tool. That's awesome. I love those. Those are great. I'm not surprised though. I knew you had some cool shit up your sleeve. So yeah. that's, cool. that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part of Clickable Talk. I will definitely share this and um, send you the recording. So Awesome. Yeah. Good to talk to you. Thanks for having me. See ya. Stay safe.